No, no, no. She's not a medical doctor, but she can sure cure your tax problems or your financial woes. She's the how-to girl. It's the Dr. Friday Show. If you have a question for Dr. Friday, call her now, 737-WWTN. That's 737-9986. So here's your host, financial counselor and tax consultant, Dr. Friday. G'day, I'm Dr. Friday, and we are here live in the studio, and it is a nasty cold day outside. Great day for us to all be at the radio listening and talking about my favorite subject, taxes, or how can we put more money in our pocket? Are we going to have some other things that we're going to be needing to deal with? Maybe looking at some of the tax things that may be expiring, but most of that, I'll be quite honest, isn't going to happen until 2025, but we will be able to move forward and see what we have as far as other credits and if uh, maybe some people that maybe think it's health insurance found out maybe there is some health insurance still out there in the marketplace. Um, but you just have to figure out which way or, or the best way to, to deal with those situations. So um, let's go ahead and hit Joe. Let's hit Joe while we're on the line here. I always love my callers first. We'll get back to my conversation. Hey, Joe, can you hear me? Yes, ma'am. What's I can going? hear you. Okay. Well, my wife and I had a trust, and we still have a trust. But unfortunately, she passed away back in April. And I'm seeing if I, I can go through uh, the stocks that are in the trust and increase the value for tax purposes at one half of what the value was at the date of her death. Well, was this an AB trust or was it, uh, I mean, normally if there's a trust, there's, there's well, you and her. It's a family, family revocable trust. Okay. So the answer is at the time of her passing, everything basically went to you but stayed in trust, correct? That's correct. So you I mean, the trust is, to... I'm sorry. The, tr- no, the trust continues other than the fact that she is no longer a trustee. Of course, I'm still a trustee of the trust. Right. But this is a revocable, which means that you're able to take stocks in and out or any assets. You still have full control of this the the stocks in there correct that's correct right so in that situation you would have a half up step up in basis if it was held normally in most stocks i mean there are husband and wife but if it was in her name alone you would have a full step up if it was in joint tendency then you would have a half step up great okay well that's what i thought i just i was just trying to double check on that thank you for your help Oh, yes, sir. Thanks. All right, let's hit Jamie in Winster, Win- Winchester. Sorry. Hey, Jamie. Hey. Um, so we sold a house this year. It was our rental property, not our primary residence. Unfortunately, it fell outside of the main residence of two out of the past five years. So right. I believe we're subject to the full capital gains. Our basis right. was eighty nine thousand, and we sold it for one fifty nine was the asking price. However, we gave them I guess it's five, six thousand in concessions, paying towards the closing costs. And I'm wondering where our actual basis for the capital gains might be. Well, 
based on that simple conversation, it would still be it, basically your basis would still be the 89, the original purchase. Now, this is making the assumption that you haven't done any major improvements. And we also have to talk a little bit about recapture of depreciation since it was a rental. But for the there's two sides when we sell a real estate investment property. One is capital gains. One is recapture, which is ordinary income. So on the capital gains, it would be basically the 89 and any other major improvements that you may have put on less the 159, which brings you down to basically 70. Then you would have a cost of sale, $6,000. So that would bring you down to roughly 74,000 on the capital gains, rough numbers there. 64? That makes does that make 64 sense? or 74? Um, Did it go from 70 down to 64? Sorry, 70. No, down to 64. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, okay. Yeah, that, that's yeah. Uh, the math I was looking at. I was just uh, because we didn't have any major capital gains to it. And we were going to have a professional do it. I just wanted to make sure that we ha had an idea of what I was looking at when it came back. Right. So depending on your income, if you and your wife make less than 250000 including this gain, you'd be at 15% tax on that property. I mean, as far as the capital okay. gains tax. Um, and yeah, then you also would have to look at recapture because most people, when they did their taxes on the rental, they would have depreciated that property. And now you have to recapture that at ordinary income. So okay. is that only for the current calendar year? Or the contact no, here? Up and less, unless it's over 20 years old. Okay. Now, no, we, we didn't have it that long. All right. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. I appreciate it. No problem. Thank you. Appreciate you. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Whenever you're looking at um, taxes, obviously, and the IRS likes to make things more challenging, probably than necessary. When you're doing a, a sale of a rental property, we have two sides. We've got the the capital gains, which is what he was talking in his case, be around 64,000, uh, possibly at 15%, again, depending on how much income along with that capital gains income bracket they're in. If they had been over 250, but less than 475, then it would be 18.8% .8 tax on that. Then you have, let's say he's had this rental. Um, I mean, obviously his purchase price was 89. I don't know how much of it was land. So he's probably had very low depreciation. But let's even say it's $1,000 a month for the last 10 years. It's been a rental. He'd have $10,000 ordinary income he'd have to pick up um, for tax purposes. So he has the capital gains of 64 plus a $10,000 ordinary income tax. Um, that he'd have, and if his income tax is at 25%, well, there's another $2,500 in tax above the capital gains. So, it's, you know, again, never simple math. Whenever I have one of my clients selling, usually I suggest calling because it's good to be able to work up some of that information to be able to see what we have and where we're going to go. Let's hit Laura in Nashville. Laura, what can I do for you, sweetie? Oh, hi there. Um, I am POA on my mother's finances, and she has some annuities as well as some IRAs. And I'm wondering if there would be any advantage to looking to um, transfer the annuities into Roth IRAs and the regular IRAs into Roth, if it can be done, and if so, if it would be advantageous. Well, I guess I, first let me put a caveat. I'm not a financial planner, but from the tax standpoint, one of the biggest things you're going to look at is, A, is mom using this money to live off of now? You know what I mean? Or is it basically reserved for, you know, emergency or for you to eventually inherit? Um, because 
there's a cost to converting and also what income bracket is mom in because I have quite a few seniors that we have found that they're they're missing out on conversions. There's money in IRAs and annuities, um, but they're not touching it. They just wanted to leave it there. But if they converted it, it would have been less than, you know, 6% to do some conversions, which is a lot lower than if you have to inherit that money, what you will be paying today, most likely at least. So I, I would definitely say you need to look at those numbers. Does, does mom need this money to live? No. Okay. So this is reserve money for just in case or whatever. So then um, my suggestion would be is go talk to Hank Parrott or um, one of those, a financial planner that he's mine, but somebody that will give you a free consult to let you know first and foremost, is this even a conversation you should be having? Um, but anything you convert into a Roth, the nice thing is you inherit it tax-free, which would make mom and you happy probably, um, and also uh-huh. maximize her possible lower income bracket. Again, not knowing your your mom or not, uh, but you know we want to maximize lower income brackets before we get hit with the higher ones. Um, so, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I've, honestly, I think it's a great that you know you're actually stepping up because so many people have POA but they don't seem to do a whole bunch. Um, so that's awesome. But anyways, if there's any, you can call my office. I'll be more than glad to help you crunch tax numbers if you're deciding to go that direction. But I would suggest probably, does she have a financial planner? Anyone she deals with maybe about some of that just to ask if there's, like annuities, sometimes you can't do certain conversions. This is the reason I'm asking. IRAs, pretty straightforward. I'm not sure about an annuity. Okay. Yeah. And she does. He's semi-retired and she and I are both clients of yours and we've, I've got an appointment set up with you for March. Oh, wonderful. So we'll crunch some numbers for Mama then and just see what might be an advantage. But, you know, we don't want to lose out this year. So if you want to give me a call Monday or Tuesday just for us to do it over the phone, you know, get some ideas, I have no problem with that, sweetie. Okay. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thanks for calling. All right. Bye-bye. We are taking... Um, we're taking your calls here live in studio, 615-737-9986, 615-737-9986, talking about my absolute favorite subject, which is taxes. Um, and we'll see uh, what's going to happen. I know we have had a number of clients about the um, the, the forgiveness of up to $10,000 of student loan uh, payments or interest, whichever it is. Um, and I know we just heard before the show started that there has been a hold and they're not going to be accepting any more. I don't know what's going to come of that, uh, really don't. And with the, the current elections, well, I don't think we, you know, depending on what side of the, the border, I don't know which way we're going to go with any of that, to be quite honest. But all I can say is, um, you know, I don't, don't necessarily think it's fair to be paying people's student loan off. Um, but that's not my decision because, again, what they do with our tax dollars, all we can do is vote the right people in and then hope they make the right decisions. We don't have the ability to make any other decision or choice. That's just the way it is. Can you imagine how many lawsuits would be out there if that wasn't the case? So that would make things interesting. All right, so itemizing is the most, um, has changed a lot, right? In the last couple of years, up until 2025, the home mortgage interest, if you pay you know, too much or your property taxes, I mean, unless you're single and you have more than 13000 if you're, you're married, more than about 27000 combined charitable interest, um, mortgage, I mean, uh, charitable contributions, mortgage interest, and property taxes and or sales tax, 
depending if you have a state or sales tax number, those all add up. And remember, your sales tax and property tax cannot add up to more than $10,000, which is a problem many of us, because we used to do even odds in the days before we had these numbers, we were able to put our property taxes in every other year. Um, we pay them January and December in my case, and then we would also maximize any major purchases in those years, and then we'd actually have a higher deduction. We can't do more than $10,000, so there is limitations to what we have the ability to do in deducting that. So we used to be able to bunch up things. The only thing that we can really do as far as bunching um, or doing even of and even or odd years is charity. That if if you have the ability to do now, first I want to put a caveat: if you are 70 or older and you do have to take RMDs, um, even if you're not required until 72, you can start taking the requirement of distribution at the age 70 and take it as a qualified charitable deduction. This is absolutely the best way to give to charity and save on taxes. You can give up to $100,000 to the charity through your qualified, um, your RMD on a qualified charitable deduction, and it is completely tax deferred or tax free because it basically doesn't have to go onto the Schedule A for itemizing. It automatically reduces the income on the 1040. So if you are 70 or older and you have requirement on distributions and you give to charities, I don't care who your tax person or financial planner, you need to talk to them because, I mean, if you're in the 12% tax bracket, every $1,000 is going to save you, what, $1,200? I mean, every $1,000 will save you $120. Um, it's, it's worth doing, and it doesn't cost you, and that maybe means you can give more to charity because of it because a lot of times we have to worry about taxes when we're doing these things. So anyways, it's a great way, but otherwise you can do bunching and put up to 60% of your income on a Schedule A. All right, guys, we're going to take our first break. When we come from that break, we'll get back to more of your phone calls, 615-737-9986. We'll be right back with the Dr. Friday Show. And representation. So basically, guys, all I do is taxes. And I love them. So let's talk to Eugene and see if I can help him out with his situation. Hey, Eugene, what's happening? Uh, yes, I'm uh, about to sign up for Social Security, and I know there's an income limit. We, we file our taxes, me and my wife, together as married, and uh, we're going to be way over the $44,000 limit. Uh, I'm asking about the uh, like a standard deduction when you uh, have an income. Is that still at twenty four thousand? You can take off. And yeah. any ideas to help me get down? Um, it's twenty seven. If you're over, if both of you are over sixty five. It's almost at twenty eight and a half. Um, and I don't know, you know, your ages, but um, every year it goes up, obviously. So here's the deal: you don't have to file. You can file married filing separately. And, you know, your wife could file hers and you could file yours if that may make your Social Security not taxed. But you, if she itemizes or you itemize, the other person has to itemize, which means they may not qualify for the full half of, of whatever the, the dollar amount, $13,000 or whatever. So 
I am going to suggest if this is the first year or when this happens, if you have a person that does taxes, I think it might be good. We do this a lot where we file, we prepare them both ways to see which way is better. Sometimes I have people that have a husband or a wife that's retired and all they have is social security. And then the other one is still working. And then there's sometimes some interest in investments and things like that, that may be coming out. So it really comes down to just making sure because it's, it's, there's no black and white perfect thing saying, okay, well, if you're making 70000 it'd be best not to be filing Mary filing separately or together. Personally, think that the best answer to that question would be is to get uh, someone to crunch the numbers for you so that you have a really good idea of, um, it, of which way you will, you will be going. You know what I'm saying? As far as is it better for you to still file jointly or would it be better for you to file separately? And if so, you know, how much are you saving one way or the other to see if it's even convenient or even an idea you want to follow through with? Does that make sense? Hopefully. Did I lose you, Eugene? It does. I mean, I, it, I mean, there's options and stuff. I was just trying to figure out a way to keep some of the Social Security money. Oh, I hear you. No, and that that's the downside. But I would definitely try this year just to see, again, not knowing your personal situation, or if I do, I don't need to know it right on the radio. But either way, you need to um, see, because it sounds like you're just starting Social Security. Is that right? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm signing up for it next week, going to start it in January. Okay. So what you might want to find out is whenever you do your taxes this year, are you still going to be working or have you retired? I've retired. Okay. Um, so, you know, that's going to be a di different change versus what you might have had. But either way, I would just play with the tax software and just say, hey, if I had done this, would this still have cost me as much? Because sometimes people are like, well, I don't want to file taxes because I don't have to pay on Social Security. But filing married, filing separately has certain penalties and certain things that you end up paying more money, even though you're paying tax on your Social Security, it's more than what it is filing separately. I've had it happen more than once because – I used to think, oh, no, no brainer. We'll just separate the two. Let one person pay tax and the other person not pay any. But it doesn't always save you tax dollars. So all again, just I would play with it this year. Now that you're starting Social Security, you know roughly how much you're going to have. Put it in the system as as an entry. Just and then you can always delete it. But put it in and see what it means if you had done that as a married couple, just to find out what kind of taxes you're looking at. Because you could have them take out taxes too, Eugene, if you need to. I know you don't want to pay taxes, but unfortunately, that's a fact most of us have. Okay? Oh, I'd, I'd rather pay taxes in the beginning than get hit in the end, I'll tell you. <laughs> Thank I you very much. No problem. Thanks for calling. I appreciate it. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Let's get Bob in Greensbrier. Hey, Rob. I think I said Bob. Hello. What's got? I have got, I've got a piece of property I'm selling as a rental, rental property. I was yep. wondering, can I take that money and buy another rental and not have to pay 41% capital gain? That is a awesome question, and thank you for asking, because I think I didn't even mention that to the last gentleman. Yes, you can. 1031s are still on the table, and that's what Rob is talking about. So you can do what's called a 1031. Now, you have to do it at the time of closing, and then the money basically goes into escrow, and then they use that same money to go buy the second property. And then if you have to add money or whatever, you have to buy more than what you sold. Um, and there's a few little rules there. But I I love it. I do it. And uh, as long as you want to stay in the rental business, I think it's the best way to do it. 
Okay, so I can <clears throat> I can uh, sell a piece of property, close on it, put the money in uh, escrow, and right. then go look sure for the property. Yes, that's, but, but make sure at the time of closing that they have an attorney that does the 1031. You cannot touch the money. Oh, okay. Great deal. I do appreciate that. Oh, thank you. Appreciate it. Mm-hmm. All right, yeah, let's see. Mount Juliet. Hey, Jim, what's happening? Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Years ago, I was I had a business of my own, and I had a small uh, industrial uh, uh, piece of property, and uh, about a 3,500-square-foot warehouse. I closed the business about 10 years ago, uh, but I've been kind of made a giant man cave out of it, and I haven't sold it. But eventually when I sell it, I've been paying property taxes on it every year. It's paid for. Uh, can I, When I do sell it, uh, can I recover any of those property taxes in any way? Well, just to let you know, I mean, I don't know how you've been doing your taxes, but property tax on all property is deductible every year. It's not just based on your primary home. Well, I don't. I haven't itemized, and I don't really fall in the category where I've itemized. No, you cannot recapture that property tax because it would have been a tax deduction even if it doesn't fit in, and most of us can't itemize it because it's not big enough even if I have all that. But under the current tax law, you can't. Now, any kind of repairs, lawn maintenance, you know, any electricity, I mean, anything it took to maintain the building, the answer is yes. And I know property taxes would be, in some people's mind, maintaining it because you'd lose it if you don't pay it. But Well, I've kept uh, every receipt for everything I've done to it since I've had it. So Good, because that's what you're going to need. And it's not a rental, so really it's just sitting there as an investment, I mean, in theory. Um, Or is it a rental? Do you rent it out sometimes or no? No, my wife would wish I'd do, but. I've, by the time I moved in, some old cars and motorcycles and boats and oh. a few <laughs> a few other things, and my buddies come over every now and then and sit around. <laughs> exactly, You've got a couple of toys that you get to play with and keep them out of the rain. So I hear you. Exactly, um, exactly. So it's really I'm not doing anything with it, but paying property taxes on it. Right, and I mean you'll have some insurance and stuff, but again, all of that is. Uh, tied to it and uh anyways the answer to your question is no you can't take the property taxes but i can take any of my improvements and and uh, maintenance and things like that all that yes absolutely Fantastic. Save all of them. thank you so much all right hey no worries mate thanks for calling Bye. right all right uh again i am dr friday an enrolled agent licensed with the internal revenue service to do taxes and representation which basically means guys i deal with the irs all the time so that's why you'll see me you'll see my hair is so short because you know right now i know many people are are like oh my god they're going to be hiring eighty-five thousand, which i find it hard to find that they'll find eighty-five thousand people that want to work for the irs bad enough uh, train them and get them done. I well know the state has done some filing or has done some hiring because I'm dealing with them on a couple audits and um, and I know every, you know they, they bring in new people in and training them on how to do the audits and things like that. So it's going to be a little bit of a growing, but the other side of it is you actually get to reach and speak to individuals. I mean, the one thing you have to say about Tennessee Department of Revenue um, not sure if you need, I mean, not everyone likes to deal with any office like that, but they do answer their phone. They do respond to emails. They do give you um, some guidance on what you need to do or move forward with. Um, no one likes to be audited and certainly never a good thing for anyone. But when it is being done, you would need guidance and you need people to help you and talk to you and, and respond 
Um, and that's what we're not getting from the IRS. I mean, we keep getting love letters from the IRS about different things. And in many of the cases, even myself, after 25 years, you're sitting there going, this doesn't explain anything. You know, I've amended a tax return. I gave you the explanation behind it. And they send back and saying, well, this gives you reason to amend the tax return. It, you know, again, some of the letters that come out are so non-helpful that you're sitting there wishing. I mean, I have to give um, the tax advocate's office a huge um, thank you, uh, if nothing else, because I know I have sent many clients that direction uh, to get resolution. And it's not necessarily, I mean, I know it's their job, but their job has taken on a lot bigger job because of, again, we're not able to reach anyone at the IRS. We can't get any resolution because we can't reach a human to actually even ask a question. So, you know, when it's important, people are getting liens, levies, they're, they've been waiting two years for refunds um, or whatever, you know, tax advocate office is the direction you're gonna wanna go. All right, we're gonna take our second break here. You can reach us here live in the studio at 615-737. 9986615737-9986. We'll be right back. All righty, we are back live in studio. I am Dr. Friday, and this is the Dr. Friday Show. You can join us here in the studio at 615 Seven three seven nine nine eight six. So I just wanted to bring in for all of you that like to give charitable, um, not charity, but give uh, gifts to your kids or in the family. Great estate planning sometimes. Um, it's up to sixteen thousand dollars instead of fifteen. So that went up this last year, um, and that was in twenty twenty two. And then um, if you have two kids and one grandchild, you can give them um, up to thirty two thousand. But bottom line is. Uh, that is $1,000 more this year, so make sure that goes into the, the numbers when you're working on all of that. And also, when we talk about capital gains, I always want to bring up the idea that if you've got long-term capital gains and you have a small gain in your other income, so if your taxable income um, on long-term or dividends doesn't exceed 41675 or for a single, 55800 for head of household or 83350 for a joint filer, that capital gains tax is zero. That's right. So the, the trick is or the problem is that number also includes not just what you have in capital gains, but what you also have for all other income. So if you have income, um, even even the fact that if you've got capital gains, it could make your Social Security taxable. So there is um, a calculation that you need to make sure. But there are times when people have some long-term capital gains that are, you know, smaller, and maybe they make twenty thousand, and they've got a thirty thousand dollar capital gain, and that could still, as a uh, as a head of household or a married person, that could put you into a zero capital gains. So just putting it out there, you might want to take that into consideration to make sure that you have, um, you know, again, if we can do something, sell something in smaller steps and keep you in a 0% capital gains. It was like one of my earlier callers um, when she was talking about a conversion for her mom or her annuities or her IRAs. Again, those are great tax planning things because if we can convert at a lower dollar amount and let the money grow tax-free in a Roth, and then the children eventually will inherit, hopefully a long time down the road, that's a lot better than growing it in an IRA 
that has the IRS tax dollars, and then depending on the children, how much their tax bracket's going to be. And now there's a window of only, what, 10, 000, uh, 10 years to cash out all of the IRAs. So if you have a large inheritance of IRAs, you could put yourself in a much higher tax situation than what you've had before. So just, again, making sure that you take into account all of those different situations before you do it. It's always good to preempt these kind of conversations. Not something you want to just sit there and say, well, everyone else told me to do a Roth conversion. I should do one. Um, I had a client last year that um, his financial planner um, did some recalculating. And this gentleman has been on a very high target of getting all of his IRAs converted into Roth the goal of his and he's been doing some fairly good conversions uh, and then the big picture uh, when his financial planner did some cleaning up did some um, uh, rebalancing um, of his portfolio he ended up with a tax bill which was supposed to be I don't know around 12 13,000 ended up being 60 60 some thousand dollars um, way outside of what he had expected because of all these conversions so when you're doing these kind of planning, you need to make sure you're talking to your financial planners and, and or your tax person, whoever's helping you do those kind of conversations. Because if you're just doing it on your own, it is a problem when it comes to, you know, making those. Because like this, the financial planner was doing rebalancing, yet he was out there doing conversions. And both of them may have been doing what was good but still cost a lot more money in that conversion that he expected to do. So just want to make sure that you have the right uh, situation and where you're going to go. Uh, so purchase and placing assets in service this year, if you want the full tax break of bonus depreciation, isn't, a valuable, as, isn't as valuable after 2022 because it, unless Congress does something, our bonus depreciation is going to drop down. So in 2022, if you've got big equipment and everything, we can take bonus depreciation and take almost all of it at that time. But in 2023, it's 80% of 100% write-off. So it's 20% each year after 2020. So basically it'd be 80 and then in 2024, 60 and et cetera, et cetera, uh, bringing it down. So again, now Congress may act and they may extend this. I'm hoping they do, but you know, the way spending's been, at some point, they're going to have to start putting their mind to how are they going to generate more money about how they're going to do things in there. So, um, <laughs> all right, so I have a question. Can students in college and after graduates, can they put um, some information? I'm reading too fast for Lavidia, so keep going. Uh, put our students' loans on. Yes. Yes. Okay. So the question that came in, sorry, I should have let him finish it before I did it. The question was, can students in college and after grad school, can they put their loans on their tax return? And yes, there is a place up to $2,500 in student loan interest can go onto your tax return. So um, now it does have limitations on how much money you can earn. So I think it's a uh, single people like 70,000 and the married people like a hundred and 40 or 50,000. If you make more than that, you won't be able to deduct the student loan interest. But if you're making less than that student loan interest, again, up to $2,500 is a tax deduction uh, for, for anyone that wants to, you know, put that in. I always make sure that usually that is in there. So hopefully um, they turn it into us and make sure they do what they need to do on that situation. 
Here's a big thing. Uh, uh, shareholders in C corporations should weigh taking dividends in lieu of salary. If you're an owner in a high tax bracket, the owner's preference tax rates on dividends plus corporate payroll tax savings paid for dividends instead of salaries can exceed the firm foregoing tax benefit to being one. So I, I, if you work for a company, and this is a, 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 this is someone asking this question. If you're working for a sub S corporation, maybe you're the owner of a sub S or C corporation. Um, remember, anyone that is working for those companies cannot just take dividends. You have to pay yourself a fair wage. That is very important because I will tell you how many 1099, I mean, how many K1s I see with pass-through income coming through as dividends because you don't have to pay self-employment tax on um, income from an S-Corp. Um, now, C-Corps is double taxation, but on an S-Corp, a lot of times owners will not put themselves on payroll, but they will just take and put the profit on them through a K-1, which does not account for Social Security or Medicare tax. The IRS has come down and said, in fact, there was a many tax firms that were doing that and they got audited and they had to go back and they converted all of it, all of their distributions to taxable wages because they were earning this money. It wasn't from an investment, it was earnings. If you're now invested in a, in a K-1 or a sub-S corporation, that's a whole different thing. But if you are um, working it and you're you're doing it, you need to put yourself on payroll. No corporation can operate without at least one person on payroll. It's that simple. All right. I don't know if I've got the right name. Delarius? Maybe? Is that right? Delarius? Um, let's see. It's in Nashville. Delorius. I'm sorry. Oh, Delorius. Oh. Or Dolores. Yeah. Dolores. <laughs> Hello, Doctor. There you go. That was yeah, my hi. fault. Sorry. I was sounding that out wrong. All right. How are you doing, sweetheart? I'm doing fine, but I have some questions on our rental property. And okay. um, I have uh, I replaced a, van- a vanity in a bathroom and uh, a floor in that bathroom. And I'm wondering if these have to be depreciated or can they be they expensed? No. They do? Those are, yeah, because those would have added value to the, the easiest way to remember is they would have added value to that property with a new floor, new toilets, or whatever tiles, any of that would have added a value it would have been better than probably the old ones which may have been aged or older or cracked whatever <laughs> yeah, um, right. you know bear in mind so uh yes so according to the irs that would have to be depreciated now what's the time frame for that for vanities is that a five-year depreciation or seven or what's the time um well yeah the, the toilets and vanities those would be seven the flooring would be lifetime of the house or, Ooh, or just 20 bathroom yeah floor yeah. Wow. So yeah. Be twenty seven or whatever it is. Twenty seven. Yeah. Almost twenty eight. Yeah. Twenty seven point five. Right. Seven for vanities. Wow. Then another question. Um, I had a house that was destroyed during the tornado. It was a rental house. So okay. I I I put a lot of money back into it and fixed it up sure. better than it was, and it is rented. But I'm thinking of selling it. What was my? Mm-hmm. How am I going to figure out my cost? basis for that if I sell it because I have what the original it was insurance money old one pardon me so you 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 have to go back to your original basis from the original house because the and then and then back out 
the insurance, right? Because you got insurance on it, yep. I'm assuming. And then you also put more of your own personal money, I'm guessing, but most of the time, yes. um, mm-hmm. into the other. So you're going to need to have, I mean, this is a, you know, a calculation would have to come out to original basis, replacement value that you got paid, and then uh, additional money that you might have put back in um, and come up to the dollar amount because the insurance money was not taxable to you. Um, so that's going to add back in as a basis to us um, as right. far as what you actually have in value. But you need to, um, you know, basically figure out what the total cost of the new house is, I guess, what it comes down to, and then back out what your original basis was. And that's going to be, I mean, when it comes down to, let's just say it was originally $80,000, now it's one hundred and fifty because the insurance pays you actual value, but then you decided to add another 50 and more bedrooms or whatever you might have done to make it bigger and better. So now, you know, whatever the insurance plus whatever you put into it, it's pretty much going to be your basis. But we'll have to go okay. back and see if there was any recapture of depreciation because theoretically the house was gone when you, I mean, total. I don't know if you had to tear it down or if it was structurally, oh, yeah. you know. Gone. Yeah, so gone. <laughs> totally gone. Well, uh-huh. you know, because then, then you would have some, re, I mean, theoretically you sold the house and you rebuilt it, I mean, in, in essence. So whatever the insurance right. paid for is going to be your new basis. Oh, what the yeah. insurance paid, not, not, well, what about what I added into it? Yeah. Then, no? then what you added on top. Yes. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that's what I needed to know. And I thank you very much. No problem. Thanks for calling. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. All right. So we're going to take our last break for the show. If you've got any questions, you certainly can give us a call here at 615-737-9986, 615 615- Seven three seven nine nine eight six. The number here in the studio. We'll be right back with the Doctor Friday Show. All righty, we are back. We are back live on the Doctor Friday Show, and you can join us again at six one five seven three seven nine nine eight six six one five seven three seven. Nine nine eight six, and we've got Samuel in Mount Juliet. Hey, Samuel. Uh, hello, Doctor Friday. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. I am calling to uh, ask about my giving fifty thousand dollars to uh, mm-hmm. one of my grown children during the year of twenty twenty two, just as gift. And I read in the IRS that. My limit is $16,000, but I have to file a Form 709 to submit it with my taxes, you know, when I file. Where would I put that on the Form 1040 once the 709 is filled out? And also what kind of tax, you know, mm-hmm. might I have to pay on the uh, part above and beyond the 16000 since it's 50000 So. Yeah, so I've got some great great answers on both of those. So the first thing is the 709 is just um, our gift tax returns or generation skipping, depending on whatever um, you give it to. And there is not going to be any tax unless you give more than $12 million. So I don't think at this point for most of us that will not, and that's a lifetime credit, so most of us will never have to worry about that. The reason for filing um, the 709 is really just going to be there's a place in there where you're going to put his name, the basis, the date, and the value of it. Remember to back out the 16000 when you're filing the form 
because, um, you know, the 16 is free, right? So the difference between the, whatever you gave him and the 16 would be what goes on the 709. And it's really just subtracting it from the $12 million that you're allowed over your lifetime. Um, there will be no taxes due unless you take the money out of something that there is a taxable situation. You know, like if you take it from an IRA, then you'd have to pay tax from the money coming out of the IRA. But that would fall on your personal tax return. The 709 would never cross over onto your personal or your son or child's personal. The gifting is free to the child um, or to the individual, and you have to pay tax on any money that you're taking it out of. If it's just sitting in the bank, for example, there's no tax because you've already paid tax on the money in the bank, okay. most likely. Okay. Okay. Does that make sense? It does, absolutely. And the one other thing, where would I sure. file that on my form 1040? Or does it go on there from the does not. It, it does not go anywhere on the 1040. Um, the 709 is just a separate tracking form. The 1040 would have nothing to do with giving the money to your child. Um, like I said, the only thing that would go on your 1040 would be is if you have taxes coming out for some reason on the money you're giving them, but that would be through a form like a 1099-R or interest statement, whatever. Uh, but no, that would not go on to your 1040 at all. Okay. Thank you very much. I understand it completely. Perfect. Thank you for calling. Great question. All righty. And so, um, again, if you have questions, and I know we're winding down on the show, you can uh, reach us at the office on Monday. Uh, but meanwhile, um, we'll take a few more of your phone calls here in the studio to see if we can get you through. It's going to be only a couple more minutes, and we'll probably be our last caller coming in here right now. Gary from downtown Nashville will be here in a second. Just Oh, okay. Gary is online. Boy, look how fast you can type, Lavidia. Hey, Gary. Hi there. How are you today? I am good. I'm a retired Nashville policeman, and uh, I work security now to supplement my pension and my Social Security. And I bought a vehicle just for the security stuff I got because it got lights and all that stuff on it to block intersections and all that kind of thing that I do. Sure. I was trying to figure out a way that I could deduct that off my income tax. Are you a W-2 at your security job, or is this your own business? No, it's a W-2. Yeah, and I have some bad news for you, Gary. First, I want to thank you for servicing before I give you the bad news. The bad news is right now under the current tax law, there is no place for, for employees to write off non-reimbursed expenses, which would be exactly what you have is you created a vehicle that you can use to do your job correctly. But unfortunately, the only person that can write that off is the owner of the business. And in this case, that's not you. So, well, um, I inquired to my employer about me incorporating myself and them uh, just paying my company. And they said, no, we don't do that. So, you know, I'm stuck one way or the other. Right. And I mean, you know, at some point, if you decide to start your own small security business, even though you brought the car two years ago, you could then depreciate that vehicle because it would yeah. be part of your new business. But it's not going to help you while you're an employee of someone else. Okay. Thank you so much. That's what I've been told. Okay. But I was hoping you might have a miracle in your pocket. <laughs> I know. I wish I did. I wish I could give you better on that one. But that's one we've got our hands tied on right now. All right. All right. Thanks, Thank you. Uh-huh. 
All righty. We are winding down the show here, so we're going to have just a few more minutes. Let's get out the details that you need to have which is, uh, first, if you've never heard of me or you have no idea who I am, the best way to probably figure out that would be going to drfriday.com. That is drfriday.com. That's my website. Um, You can find out more about who I am. Also, um, we'll be opening up the calendar for outside individuals uh, probably next week. Uh, Hopefully, all my clients have already booked their appointments, so we'll start opening up the time. So if you're not already an existing client and you want to have someone help you with your taxes, We'll have an open calendar there. That, that's where you'll want to go and, and get that information uh, in there. And then if you have tax questions, maybe you've been receiving love letters, or maybe you know someone that hasn't filed taxes for a number of years, has received probably some love letters. If nothing else, the love letters have said simply, uh, you haven't filed your taxes and we need you to file them. It may be that simple. They may not be under any kind of major collection. But any way you look at it, if you've got someone you know that has those kind of issues that they basically just need to maybe, you know what, you've got a kid that's going to get ready to go to college soon and you've got the FAFSA or you you want to buy a house. All of these things come into play. And the first thing that anyone ever asks you in most of those cases is where's your tax return? So if you haven't filed taxes or you know someone, let's get on pace before they have 85,000 additional collection agents out there to try to get it. Let's try to get in play your offer and compromise or your payment plan. Um, Get you in compliance because once you're in compliance, then it's just a matter of making the deal or whatever that deal may be and how it's going to work for you. But if you don't have everything filed, if you're behind on numbers of years, uh, if you haven't filed your business tax returns or anything else, first thing we have to do before anything else happens is get your taxes filed. Then we can figure out how much money you may or may not owe. Have you left money on the table? Because I have people, we file five, six, seven years, and they get refunds almost out of most of them. And the sad part is they get refunds on some of the earlier years, and they owe for some of the later. And we can only go back three years to collect on your taxes. So if you've got a refund, you've only got three years, you can get it. So going back 10 isn't going to help you if you get a refund every year. All right, you can reach me at the office, 615-367-0819. You can also email me at Friday at drfriday.com. Friday is my first name, F-R-I-D-A-Y at D-R-F-R-I-D-A-Y dot com. Hope you guys have an awesome Saturday. Stay warm. Make sure you make it good. Copulator.